wonder if you'd agree with me if I were to tell you that sometimes it's easy to trust God when everything's going well. When the doctor gives you the thumbs up. When your banker says, man, you're doing great. When you look at the bill pile and there's none there. It's easy to trust God in that moment, isn't it? What about, what about the valley moments? What about those times when things aren't going so well? When the doctor didn't give you the thumbs up? When there's more bills left than money at the end of the month? I know none of y'all ever been there, right? How do we respond in the moments that are difficult, in the valley moments? Our passage that we're going to read every week. David said these words, Even there your hand will guide me. Even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. So my question for you, what, what, do you think, what do you think David was talking about when he said even there? Where was David's even there? See, if you'll back up a few verses, it says, listen, if I'm on the highest heights, God, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, even there. Even there. So my question for you this morning. And every, uh, every time we meet over the next three weeks is, where's your even there? What's that place in your life? What's that place in your journey? What's that place in your family where you need God in that place? Now, we know that we need Him all times, right? But what about in your even there? Have you identified that place in your mind this morning? Where's your even there? When God's not responding like you think he needs to, when, when things aren't going like you think they need to go, where's, where's your even there? So what I want you to see over the next few weeks is that God specializes in meeting you in your even there. That God specializes in walking with you through the dark moments. When the Lord laid this sermon series on my heart, it's changed names about three times, but it was the same series. I felt impressed to ask a few people to help me share their stories. So you're going to hear stories from two different people this morning that I think will encourage you and I think will help us as we ask God, how do we find you? How do we trust you? How do we lean on you in our even there moments? Bonnie's going first. Even there, he helps me up those steps. <laughs> Good morning, guys. You know, Brother Dwayne asked me to um, to share about my testimony about all the things that God has done for me and my family. And I'm like, where in the world do you start? There is just no beginning. And thank God, I ain't expecting an end. I'm expecting him to be there regardless. Um, I started to uh, start off with one particular thing is not the word, but one particular testimony, and then it changed. And uh, back several years ago, I wound up having to have my left hip replaced. And y'all, I want you to know, I I went in and I came out of the hospital and, and I'm sitting in the chair. I'm waiting on my PT person to come, right? You know, that's always that person that you just get to see. Well, 
they knocked on the front door, and I got up, and I went and answered the front door. And this lady says to me, I'm here to see Miss Teal. I said, well, here I am. And she said, what do you mean you're supposed to still be in the bed? I said, honey, I ain't been in the bed in days. And uh, that started the whole thing, how that God was there. He was, he was my wherever. He was right there. Now, this that I want to tell you about is not about Bonnie. It's about this young man who lives in Jefferson, Georgia somewhere, who is a youth pastor. And God, some reason, he used me. Larry, Jan, and I were on our way home from the mountains, and we were sitting on Highway 53, where else but Cracker Barrel. And I'm sitting like on this side of the table, and Larry Jan is over here. And this young man is sitting over here, and he has three beautiful boys. And they're all different ages. And y'all, that man was the most wonderful father. I was just watching him take care of his boys. And his boys were not perfect. They were not bad, but they were just little boys. And I told Larry and Jan, I said, he needs to be a youth pastor. That's He can handle all these boys. He needs to be a youth pastor. And so being the introvert that I am, <laughs> as soon as Larry and Jan got up, I said, well, I got to go talk to this man, this young man. And I went over to him and I said, sir, I think you need to be a youth pastor. And he said, this coming Sunday is my very first first day as a youth pastor at a Jefferson church and where do y'all live he was inviting me to the church I said oh no honey I can't come all the way up here but and it's like I can't what I, I've tried to think about how that God used me to bless this guy because I'm sure it being his very first time to be a youth pastor was a big deal and I know his heart must have thought this little old lady came from across the restaurant to talk to me and I you know God uses us in such magnificent ways that I, I, I can't understand why sometimes he would choose me of all people when there's all of you guys that I know could probably do it better than me well now I'm going to get to this part. I hadn't shared this with Brother Dwayne, and I usually do. But I don't know about all you guys, but this week has been just awful at the Till House because we have two dogs, and they hate thunder. Well, Tuesday night, God used my little old lady. Her name is Belle. She got up on the couch by me, and she had been in terrible shape barking 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 and I reached over and I laid my hand on her and she just she just calmed down and all of a sudden God said that's my hand on you when I reach over and I touch you that is you just calm down Bonnie because I'm with you I'm with you when the thunders crash and they roll and you think that nobody is there. I am there. And so my little old red dog and my father in heaven gave me such a special feeling. Now, if you guys are at home, if you guys are sitting here, I'm going to do my best all the time I was growing up. Donna and Dwayne, all you will remember, if you're going to try to sing a song, you're going to say, now y'all pray for me. Do y'all remember that? Well, if I ain't already prayed over this, then I'm the stupid one, okay? <laughs> all week long, this song has been going over in my mind, and Vestal Goodman, I am not, okay? But 
Y'all just, all I want you to do, I don't want you to hear notes. I want you to hear the words. And I want your hearts to be touched. In the dark of the midnight have I oft hid my face while the storms howl above me and there's no hiding place in the crash of the thunder precious Lord hear my cry keep me safe till the storm passes by many times Satan whispers there is no need to try there's no end to the sorrow there's no hope by and by but I know thou art with me and tomorrow I'll rise where the storm never darkens the skies when the long night has ended and the storms come no more let me dwell in your presence on that bright and peaceful shore for I know thou art with me even though the tempest comes keep me safe till the storm passes by till the storm passes over till the thunder sounds no more till the clouds roll forever from the sky hold me fast let me stand in the hollow of the hand. Keep me safe till the storm passes by. And I don't know how many of you know, but Larry's got some storms going on right now. And I'm going to tell you, I think Brother Duane's sermon is for Bonnie and Larry and Jan Marie. We got a bunch of junk going on. And I just want you to continue to remember us in prayer. I know my storm is just going to just. I'm expecting God to just take care of it. And, and to know, I got to tell you, Brother Dwayne, this church is so helps all of us when we go through storms. I've had so many people calling me this week and talking to us. This church, the love that God has put in all of us for one another, I just, uh, I cannot thank him enough for us being where we are. So always know that when your storm comes, you know who to go to. And I guess Tim is coming up, and I don't know where he is. Thank you, sir. Well, I'm not going to sing. I will, I will sing up here, but that's usually when I got other people covering me up. So, <laughs> Thank you, Bonnie, for sharing your story. Most of you know my story but I'll share it anyway because God deserves the glory. I'm a self-employed contractor and in September of 19 I was working on a house and the ladder that I was working on started shifting so my reaction was get off the ladder so I jumped and I landed flat-footed on a concrete driveway. The immediate pain was just unbearable. But I thought, okay, I'm all right, I'm gonna get up. So I tried to stand up, and I couldn't. I went back to my knees. 
Dad was working with me that day. He had actually gone up to the trailer to get another tool for me. So he didn't see the accident happen. But he heard it, and he knew it was bad. So he rushed down to me, and again, I tried to get up, and I couldn't. So Kelly was out of town on a trip with her dad. Because in January of 2019, we lost her mom. And her dad was, is a Marine. And so they had these trips that they would go on every year. So her dad had asked her to go on this trip with her, with him, in place of her mom. So she was with her dad. And I got on my phone. I tried calling her. I couldn't get her. I tried again. I couldn't get her. I tried again. I couldn't get her. So I called Pastor Dwayne. I said, Pastor, something bad's happened. I need your prayers. I said, I'm hurt. And immediately, I could feel his prayers. So we were able to get a pickup truck down the driveway to where I was at. And Dad and the homeowner got me into the, into the truck. It was the homeowner's truck. We drove, they drove me up to the top of the hill where my truck was. I got over in the truck, in my truck, and Dad drove me to the hospital. We were working up in Gainesville, so we went to the hospital there in Gainesville, and it just so happens that that is an orthopedic trauma hospital, or emergency. Just so happened, you know, just that little coincidence. So they took me in, got me into the emergency room, and the um, doctor came in and evaluated me, and you know, I told him what had happened, and he's looking at me, and he says, well, he said, um, you know, just looking at you, the way you're reacting, and looking at your, at your legs and your feet, he said, I think you've probably just bruised your heels or your feet real bad, but we're going to go ahead and take some x-rays and see what's going on. So okay. They took me down. They did the x-rays. They brought me back to the, uh, back to the room there in the emergency room. And shortly after that, the doctor came back in and he said, he said, are you sure you're not hurting anywhere else? I said, no, I said, just, you know, from my feet up to about my knees, you know, we're just throbbing. He said, well, let me tell you, he said, the heel is the hardest bone in your body. And both of your heels are shattered. He said, your back should be broken. So we're going to take you down, and we're going to do a CAT scan from your head to your toes, and we're going to make sure that there's not something going on that you haven't felt yet. So they did. They took me down there, and to God be the glory, everything was normal, just the broken heels. So they bring me back to the room, and by this time, Dwayne's gotten there. And I'm laying there and in the bed, and I'm thinking, okay, so I've got broken heels. What, you know, what does my near future look like? The orthopedic doctor came in, and they start telling me, you know, what the next steps are. So I end up in casting both on both feet and ultimately end up having to have surgery on my left ankle to have a plate and some screws put in. But I'm thinking, okay, Lord, you know, you, you're going to have to step up because I don't know what's going to happen for my income. I, I don't know what, what my future looks like. But let me tell you, not, not only did he show up, he showed out. Because I'll tell you this, we wanted for nothing. The church prayed, the church supported, our friends prayed, our friends supported and we wanted for nothing. He provided everything that we needed. So come January, I'm finally able to get back on my feet and get started working, and that gummit of COVID didn't strike. <laughs> so now all of a sudden, the world is shutting down. 
here we are again, the self-employed contractor, can't go to work, can't do anything because people don't want you in their house because of COVID. But there again, God showed up and showed out. Everything was provided for. Fast forward to September of 20. I start having some symptoms of, some, of a condition. And went to the doctor. And in October of 20, I was diagnosed with bladder cancer. And I'm like, okay, God, what's going on? I mean, we just went through all this other stuff in 2019. And finally, we come out on the other end. You, you did everything you said you was going to do for us. I don't understand. But just as he did with the broken feet, he did with the cancer. He took all the worries away. I didn't have any worries. I didn't have any concerns. Of course, I had those natural concerns of, okay, so what's going on you know, with this cancer? It's the big C word. But to God be the glory again. I went to the doctor Thursday a week ago, and I got my third straight in a row all clear. So my word to you is be faithful to God because I promise you he will be faithful to you. That's his promise to us. And my word to you, Larry, hold on. The storm will pass. I hope you heard, you know, it's interesting. Their stories are very different. But in the middle of both of their stories, they, there was one common underlying source of strength. If you're writing, if you're taking notes, write this down. We find strength in the context of community. Bonnie said it. She said, I'm so thankful for this church. She talked about speaking life to this young pastor that she didn't even know. Tim said it. In the midst of all that stuff, my church was there. Friends were there. People were there. Yes, God was there, but isn't it interesting how often God uses people? Isn't it interesting how often, you know, God could miraculously just do all this stuff just with, the, with the, a word. But so many times he uses people. We find strength in the context of community. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says two people are better off than one. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. wonder where Tim would have been if his dad wouldn't have been there. If he'd been laying on that concrete driveway by himself. Now that's a, that's a morbid thought. But the truth is, we all going to fall. It might not always be on a driveway. But there's going to be a point when, when you're going to fall... You're going to struggle. You're going to go through a valley. What are you going to do if you're there by yourself? One person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? Listen to verse 12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. A triple braided cord is not easily broken. 
the whole context of what I want to share with you today is this truth. We need one another. I need you. You need me. We need each other. There was a husband and wife sitting across the breakfast table one Sunday morning before church. Husband looked at his wife and said, I'm not going today. She said, why? I don't feel like it. I don't like the music. She said, you can't stay home just because you don't like the music. I don't, I don't like those people. You need to go to church. You can't stay home. I don't think they like me. Honey, you got to go to church. Why do I have to go to church? She said, because you're the pastor. <laughs> we need one another. We need each other. I collected some headline titles from major publications across our country. And here's a few that I, that I saw. Surgeon General says there is a loneliness epidemic. Another one said, young people report more loneliness than the elderly. Another one said this from the Boston Globe. The biggest threat facing middle-aged men isn't smoking or obesity. It's loneliness. New York Times. How social isolation is killing us. One article said, social isolation kills more people than obesity. And my question is, how is that possible? We are more connected in this generation than any other generation on the planet. Think about it. How many of you have one of these close by? Pull it out. No kidding. Pull it out. you you got a smartphone. Do you know what you're holding in your hands? You can talk to almost anybody in the world. You can find information about anything you want to find and some things you don't want to find. With this, with this, we got access to airplanes and automobiles and FaceTime. I love FaceTime. I do. I will FaceTime my wife from my office at the church. She's at home, and her face will pop up, and I'll say, I just want to see your face. You'll FaceTime me from your office at home. <laughs> it's not your turn. Here's our testimony. I, I love that. So my question is, how is it that we're connected by this huge web of information and technology, but people are dying from isolation. How is it, how is it possible? We are the most connected society, the most connected generation in history, and the most isolated. Because we've been sold a lie. Social media is not. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit of an amusement park nerd. Like when we go to amusement parks, I want to go to the things that nobody else wants to go to. And one of those things is at Walt Disney World, there's this attraction that first showed up in the World's Fair like 1950-something, and it's called the Carousel of Progress. Has anybody ever been on the Carousel of Progress? Um, Tali is the only young person that raised her hand and she got on it because she wrote it with me. <laughs> but it's cool. You go from, from the, the, the 1800s to the turn of the century to the 20s. And, and the, the most interesting thing, if you go on that, on, on that attraction today at Walt Disney World, the last section is supposed to be the future section. And all the stuff in there is stuff from like 20 years ago now. Like the, the television looks like something that you find at a yard sale for $10. And, and they have this, this the, 
the video phone. We, you know, we carry a video phone with us everywhere we go. So we have all of the stuff that people just a generation ago just dreamed about, but we're so isolated. And my question is, how is that possible? Social media transformed a social culture into an isolated culture. Do you know why? Because we scroll by ourselves. You've seen it. You've been in a restaurant, and there'll be a family of four, mom, dad, two kids, and they're all buried in this. Let me ask you a question. If, if I just preached my sermon, and I had this in my hand the whole time, what message am I sending you? That whatever happens here is more important than what happens here. Let's start putting that away. What, what, what does it look like now? See, we're, we're relational beings. And that's been a foundational truth of Christian theology for years. But you know what's happening now? Neuroscience is validating the fact that we're relational beings. They're studying our brains, and, and they're, they're finding out that our brains are designed to connect with other human beings on a relational level. There was a surgeon general. His name was Dr. Murthy, and he was the first person to use the phrase loneliness, epi loneliness epidemic, and here's what he said, that loneliness is an insidious type of stress that leads to chronic inflammation, listen, an increased risk of heart disease, arthritis, and diabetes, that loneliness, this is the Surgeon General said this, loneliness has the same effect on mortality as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. He said most of our other epidemics, from heart disease to pornography use, can trace their roots back to a lonely heart. Let that settle. Mother Teresa said, the worst disease any human being can ever experience is loneliness. There's a researcher at UCLA that discovered neurologically that our brains were designed to connect with other people. He said, the region of the brain, listen, this, is, th th this blows my mind. The region of the brain that's activated when we experience rejection and loneliness is the same region that registers the pain of stepping on a Lego. Anybody ever done that, by the way? So when Pastor Dwayne gets up here and says, you need to be connected to the body. I'm not just trying to fill the building. Loneliness, isolation is where the enemy thrives. The writer of Hebrews knew it. He said in chapter 10, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. Some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing near. Do you know that phrase, one another, appears 59 times in the New Testament? 59 times. Things like love one another. Accept one another, forgive one another, encourage one another, build up one another, pray for one another. There's even a, a passage in 1 Corinthians that says, when you eat, wait on one another. Why? 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 Because we're designed for community and we're designed for fellowship and we're not designed to live in isolation Andy Stanley said that the primary talking about the early church the primary activity of the church was one anothering one another see what we are here what we should be here is a place of prayer 
a place of worship. And in the center of all that is a place where we encourage and love and build and accept one another. That's why we found out. Now, listen, you guys are watching online, and I'm not beating you up. I'm just sharing my heart with you because I'm so thankful for this medium where if you're sick and you can't get here, that that we have this available to you and you, you can't get in the building. But we found out during COVID that you can't survive just like this. Then work. You know why? Because the most powerful thing that happens in this building doesn't happen on this stage. It usually happens as you're walking in the door or you're standing around the coffee room or, or when I'm trying to rush you out because I'm hungry at the end of church. Because that's when you connect with each other. That's when you love each other. And that's when you encourage each other. Last week, um, we left the live stream running too long, longer than we were supposed to. And somebody brought it to my attention. They said, I, the, all the mics were off, but you were standing there. Somebody from your church, somebody that, that usually doesn't go here, mentioned this to me. And they said, and this guy walked up. And I couldn't hear what you were talking about, but it was obvious that you started praying for him. And I was like, yeah, we messed up. We left that on. He said it was the most beautiful part. You just, he, you just prayed for him. We got to one another each other. Why is it important? Please hear this. When you're in a dark place, when you're in a valley place, when you're in a stormy place, the first thing, the first thing the enemy is going to tell you is you don't need other people. The first thing the enemy is going to do is to tell you, I, 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 just stay home, do your thing. You can watch online. Just pull your covers over, stay home, do your own dance. And the enemy thrives in that environment. The enemy thrives if he can isolate you from the body. I've told you this illustration a thousand times, but it's so true. You are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ. There is not one part of your body that you can cut off from the body and isolate it and it survives. We need each other. I need you. We need each other. Write this down. The enemy wants you isolated. God wants you connected. Who are you created in the image of? You are created in the image of God. You are created in the image of God. Do you know God has never been alone? From all eternity was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in this perfect relationship. If God desires relationship, you need it. And I need it. Jesus shows up. You'll, hear, you'll, you'll read in Scripture where Jesus would go away by himself. But he didn't go away by himself to moan and gripe and whine and complain. He went by himself to pray. He, he, he set aside this relationship to go away for a minute to work on this relationship. You're hearing what I'm trying to tell you? That isolation is from hell. <laughs> Tom Hanks taught us that. Anybody see Castaway? Isolation drove him to develop a relationship with a volleyball. And if you saw the movie, when Wilson got swept away in the surf, he cried like he'd lost his mother. Now, I know that's just a movie. But listen, when you watched it, 
If you watched it like I watched it, you were like, I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> Over a volleyball. You know what that tells us? We are wired to connect with other human beings. If you get locked in a room by yourself, guess what will happen in a little while? You will lose your flipping mind. We are created for community. Here's what Jesus said. For where two or three gather together as my followers. If you read King James, it says, in my name. It's two or three gathered together as my followers. I am there among them. Can God lie? So if we, if we gather, listen, in this building, in that building, at your house, at the buffet, as the followers of Christ, guess who's sitting at that table? His name is Jesus, and he longs to commune with you. In, in your dark moment, you need to be with other people, other followers of Christ, even when you don't want to be with them. Is that okay for me just to say that out loud? There are times when you don't want to be here. Let me let you in a little secret. There are times when I don't want to be here. Well, Dwayne, how can you feel that way? Have you met some of y'all? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Don't look at me that way. I'm just kidding. You know what? Because the same temptation that the enemy gives you that you don't need other people, he gives me. And he gives Donna. And he gives all of us. But I'm going to tell you that whether you feel like you need it or not, I'm telling you as your pastor, maybe this is your first time you've ever been in this building, first time you've watched online, but for the next little while, I'm your pastor. You need other people. You need other followers of Christ. You need to lock arms with other people and do this life even when you don't feel like it, even when you're in that valley moment, especially in that valley moment. In fact, let me, let me tell you like this. If there's a moment when you think, I just don't want to be around people right now. You need to be around people more then than any other time. Because that's when the enemy is, listen, he's got a tool, and isolation is his greatest one. So in the time we've got left, I'm going to give you four little takeaways. I don't think I have the vocabulary to express how passionately I feel about what I'm talking to you about today. It's hard. The church saved my life. I was a lonely class clown. I'd go to school and make everybody laugh. And I got to this point, I was maybe 13. It was right before I gave my heart to the Lord. And I didn't feel like I had any friends. I mean, I had a lot of, a lot of people around me at school and I just, I just didn't feel like I had any friends. I got lonely. And I'm telling you, and I hate, I hate to even talk about this. There's a point when the enemy was trying to take my life as a 13-year-old. Now, I wasn't a person of prayer so much then. But I remember asking God for friends. Somebody invited me to go to a church. Man, and I met friends at that, at that place that are still friends today. And listen, yes, Jesus saved my soul. The church and relationships saved my life. You know why? Because that's how God designed us. It's for relationship. So here's, here's a couple of takeaways. Number one, resist the isolation temptation. How many times have you said or heard somebody say, I just don't want to be around people right now? 
How many times have you thought, I just can't do people right now? <laughs> and I get it. I get it. There is a, a moment when solitude is a good thing, okay? And I'm not talking about solitude for the purpose of growing in your, in, taking care of your soul and taking care of your spirit. Listen, please get this. Solitude and isolation are two very, very different things. Because if I'm having a moment of solitude, I'm, I'm resting with my wife or I'm, I'm fellowshipping with my Savior. If I'm in isolation, I am all alone. Fight and resist the isolation temptation. I, 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 I need to go on, but I, I, I got to spend just another 30 seconds here. That's where the enemy will fight you. When you're in a dark place, where you're in a stormy place, the enemy will do all he can to keep you from being around people who will one another you. So when things aren't going like you think they need to go, and you feel that temptation, I just, I, I want to deal with this like I want to deal with it. That's, I've heard that one a lot. Let me deal with it my way. Fight that. Resist that. And get around people. Get around people who are going to one another you, who are going to encourage you, who are going to love you, who are going to accept you, who are going to build you up, and most of all, who are going to pray for you. Yeah. All right. Second little takeaway, find your families. You notice I said families? Well, it wasn't my idea. Psalm 68.6, God, this is from Psalm 68.6, God places the lonely in families. Why didn't he say in a family? See, I, I've, I've got a few families, and I, I, I bet you do. I've got my immediate family who I adore. I, I don't have the words to tell how I feel about my wife, my children, my precious daughters-in-law, and my perfect little grandchild. I, I, I simply don't have words. They, they bring more joy and strength to me than I can even imagine. And maybe you can, you're here and you say, I don't get that from my family. My family's a bunch of wackadoodles. Find your families. See, I've got another family. I've got a family of pastors who love me and encourage me and pray for me. I've got a family of brothers that meet me at the Chinese buffet every week. Now, now, now y'all poke at us about that, but can I tell you, more than one person has showed up to that event and not eaten. Why would they do that? Because we laugh, we connect, we do life together, and dispose of thousands of grams of carbohydrates. <laughs> but there's a connection there. Yeah. Find your families. Find your families. Some of y'all are going to come to my house. You're all invited, but you need to text us to let you know you're coming <laughs> to my house tonight. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to eat some food. We're going to talk about today. And we're just going to be around a table. Be around a, a, a living room and just hang out. You know why? Because we're, gonna, because we're wired for relationship. I cannot stress that enough. Some of you guys show up early on Sunday morning to go do an adult growth group here or over in the other, other building. You know why you do that? Because you've recognized it's not because we're the greatest teachers on the planet and you come in here and they're imparted some great spiritual knowledge. Yeah, there's, there's that and there's teaching. But you know what the biggest, the, the biggest advantage of those kinds of groups are? Is you do something together. So find your families. Resist the isolation, temptation, and find your families. This next one I'm going to give you, listen, I, I hate it when preachers say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you hadn't heard anything I've said all morning, I, I'm going to give you a key to every relationship you've got. And our culture has, has robbed this from us. Okay? Here it is. Contribute more than you consume. 
in every relationship you got, in your, with, with your spouse, with your children, with your parents, with your co-workers, with the people you go to church with, if you'll have this attitude that I'm going to invest more into the relationship than I'm going to take away. What happens if, if both couples have that mindset? Have, have you got that person in your life, that they're in your life, they're going to stay in your life, but when you leave, you go, I am exhausted. Don't be that guy. You see, I, I think that there's two kinds of people. They'll come into the room and they'll either add value to the room or they'll suck the energy out of it. Am I right? As followers of Christ, I believe God wants us to add value to every relationship that we have. That when, when people, uh, when we connect with others, let's do all we can to one another then. In other words, if my goal, and listen, I fail at this miserably sometimes. But here's what my goal is, and this is what I want your goal to be from this day forward. Every time you have a connection with another human being, I want you to one another them. I'm going to encourage you. I want to lift you up. I want to accept you. I want to build you up. I want to help you. I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you. I want you to leave feeling energized, and, and I, I want to be a person, and I want you to be a person that gives life to a relationship, not sucks the energy out of the room. Now, now listen, maybe you're here and you're like, I know it. I'm the guy that sucks all the energy out of the room. Well, I have two very powerful words for you. Stop it. <laughs> and here, here's your last little takeaway. Prioritize spiritual community. Here's how I believe God wired you. Scripture says that you'll prosper as your soul prospers. Now, there's a lot of people that have tied that to some weird connection to, you know, if I give enough money, I can drive a Lexus. Here's what that means. That if your soul is healthy, you'll be on the way to health in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, and in your relationships. You know, it's very hard to have a healthy relationship when you've got a sick soul. So that's why we ought to prioritize spiritual community. 1 Peter chapter 2 says, once you had no identity as a people, now you're God's people. As God's people, our job, our role is to build each other up because you don't know it. You don't know when somebody walks in in a valley place, you don't know when you have lunch, when you have coffee, when you have a telephone call with someone that's in a valley place because you know what we become very good at is phoning it in. So here's what we need to do. Prioritize your spiritual family. Prioritize your spiritual connections. Prioritize your spiritual community. I didn't give you a fill-in for this. But, but here's your biggest takeaway. If you're here and you say, Dwayne, I'm, I'm in the middle of one of those places. In one of those valley places. Trust God in the valley. That he has purpose for the valley. And that he'll be with you through the valley. Trust God in the valley, that he has purpose for the valley, and that he'll be with you through the valley. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley. So my, my prayer for you, Donna's going to come and, and play, and we're done. But I do want to pray for you today. See, because I, I believe that every person in the room has either been through a valley or maybe you're in the middle of one. And I don't like 
I don't like, uh, I never want to be the prophet of doom. But valleys come, don't they? And sometimes they come unexpected. But here's what I want to do. I want to take care of my soul on the peaks so I have strength in the valley. So bow your heads. I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to, to raise your hands. I'm not going to ask you to do any of that this morning. There's time for that. And I just feel like today there's just so many of us that could say, I'm in a valley. Or I know someone that's in a valley. Or there's someone that I love that's in a valley. See, we, we prioritize community. The greatest strength we draw from community is that we pray for one another. We believe for one another. We bear each other's burdens. See, there may come a time when my faith is weak and I may need to lean on yours. So maybe you would say that in this moment my faith is weak and I need to lean on my community, my families. Maybe you would say I'm in the middle of a valley and I'm having a hard time even wanting to be around my family, my, my church, other people. Here's what I know. The Spirit of the Lord is strong and mighty. He's able to deliver you through the storm, to walk with you through the storm. And He has a plan. And I'd like to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you for community. Thank you that we're not bound to the demon of isolation. Thank you that you are with us even in the storm, in our even there places. You are there. If we rise on the wings of morning, you are there. If we make our bed in the darkest place, you are there. And for that, God, we give you praise. We give you thanks. And we worship you in the storm. We worship you in the dark place, in the valley. Because even though we don't understand why we're here and why we're walking where we're walking, we do believe and have faith that you have a plan and that your plan for us is good and that there'll never be a valley so deep that you can't walk through us, with us. In fact, you were there before we started the valley. You'll be with us through the valley. And you'll be with us on the other side. Because you have a plan. God, I pray for everyone in this building, everyone watching online. Those that are in a storm, in a valley. God, that the Holy Spirit would wrap arms of love and compassion. God, I sense your presence. God, I I feel in my heart, in my soul, God, that you're ministering to someone even in this moment. God, someone in a valley place. God, you're wrapping your arms around them and holding them close. And you're assuring them that you're quite aware of exactly where they're at. And you know their season. And you know their struggle. And you've heard their cry. And you've seen their tears. Not one of them is wasted. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, you just do what you're going to do in the hearts of people now, in the quietness of this moment. God, you're able. And you are. 
actively pursuing us. Thank you, Lord. I want to just sing that chorus just one time or two times. Listen to these words. There's hope. There is Thank you, Lord. Hope in the promise of the cross. You gave everything to save the world you love. And this hope is an anchor for my soul. Our guide will stand yes. unshakable. You're our hope. You're our anchor. We stand on that rock today in Jesus' name. Come on, offer the Lord an ovation of praise for His goodness, His grace, His mercy, His love. And give the Lord praise because you've got a one another. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great afternoon.